Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. I totally fucked that up. Um, that's 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 awesome. Uh, you know, don't call the comeback. I've been here for almost, actually, exactly eighty-two episodes. It's been a long eighty-two episodes. Uh, Facebook's tried to kill me. YouTube's tried to kill me, and now Hurricane Ian's tried to fucking kill me. And guess what? Uh, I'm too stupid to die. So you know what? I'm here. Let's uh, let's keep doing this show. Um, I've got a fantastic guest on this week, per the usual. Um, we're going to be doing it from the truck this week. Uh, there's a creepy child in the back seat, but you know that, that's how it goes sometimes. Yeah, he's a he's a he's a rescue child from the storm. We found him wandering. We picked him up, and uh, we're we're going to find him a good home somewhere. But uh. Um, we don't think he speaks good English, but hey, you know. <laughs> but anyways, uh, we're going to do the ad reads and uh, see what happens. Ho- uh, maybe you people can hear me. Maybe you can't. And yes, I said you people. You mean you people. <laughs> you can find us on all these platforms. Twitch, Facebook, YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Twitter, Anchor, and Spotify. We go live when we can apparently at this point in my life but you know we're going to try and make it back to two nights a week on my shows uh christine's doing her thing and braxton's still doing his thing um but yeah lp veterans caucus uh, leading libertarians veteran issues leading veterans for libertarian solutions go check them out james tarry for congress that's or yeah no that's for kentucky it's not congress it's 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 been like what a week and i've already it's oh two weeks shoot that's why i fucked everything up there's people in politics people helping people donate today at tarry for ky.com the t-o-l-l-e-r the number four ky.com chris by for alaska's congressman you can learn more at istimealaska.com and if you're interested I'm kind of ripping off Chris Byers then. Chris Byers did his interview in, the, in his truck. I'm doing my interview in the truck. You know, it's just, it's whatever. Just, yeah, just put my uncles on. The merch store is still there. These shirts, these beautiful, glorious, ban assault government t-shirt. That's the best one, in my opinion. Boom, boom, boom. There you go. All of those things. We've also got uh lucknowlybrun.com that's where you can find the merch at uh redemptionsactual.com use that link that's our special link that's our happy link so go check them out cardenforcurrent.com it's timelaska.com use hashtag chrisfrayk lpvest.com and hashtag anarchy lube if you don't know you just you just don't know and next to all dot com because you know next next to good dude these awesome people. Uh, right at the caucus. Yes. Is this where we go to talk shit? Yes. This is exactly where you go to talk shit. Uh, yes, this is exactly where the Ukrainian orgy is. Um, that's our guest. <laughs> that's, oh, that's our guest in two weeks? Nice. Uh, so, you know, speaking of Ukrainian orgies, the, the man, the myth, the legend... Dakota Logan, he's running for House of Reps in in, uh, in Arkansas for District 6. And you know what? There he is. 
I have butchered everything up so far, so why not continue? What's up, Dakota? Hey, how you doing tonight? I am struggling so incredibly bad. I'm trying to do all of this, and it's 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 a thing. I don't want to be big. There we go. It's really nice to hear that you guys are still with us. Oh yeah, yeah. It was a uh, it was a lot of people that didn't make it through, man. It was bad, but uh, yeah, it's we're still here. We're too hateful to die, and. We get to keep on pissing people off on the internet. So, you want to tell us a little bit about your race? Sure. So, uh, I'm in uh, Carroll County, Arkansas, which is uh, in the northwest corner. Uh, I'm about an hour from... um, Benton County, which is home of Walmart, from the University of Arkansas in Fayetteville. Uh, we're, we're rural. We've got a lake that kind of separates us from uh, the, the big major hub. So uh, I live in Eureka Springs, which is a little blue dot in a big red state. It's an interesting place. Nice. So how many, uh, so how many people are in this race right now? Uh, I'm in a three-way race. Our incumbent is, uh, of course, Republican. Uh, we have a Democrat candidate that's running, uh, and and then there's me. I'll laugh and I'll laughter and love here. Do y'all uh, do y'all have uh, ballot access in Arkansas? Do we have what? Do y'all have ballot access there? Let's try that. I, I might have to go. Uh, audio only for the rest of the show just for because of internet issues um, okay so do y'all have do y'all have uh, ballot access in arkansas well that's a, a very interesting question um we had an injunction filed back in 2018 uh because we filed suit because they did not want us to have ballot access they changed the laws and this last friday a federal judge actually ruled that the state of Arkansas, the Secretary of State, uh, them changing the rules was unconstitutional. So uh, we are still fighting for ballot access as far as uh, our governor candidate, Ricky Dale Harrington, needs 3% during this race to maintain our ballot access. But for right now, we have it. That's fucking awesome. Yeah, that's crazy. They tried to change the the ruling, or try to change the rules in the middle of a campaign year. That's that's absurd. It, it's almost like they don't want us here. It's almost like they know that most Americans want a third party, and they're scared of it. Absolutely, that's the most interesting thing I tell people when I'm out campaigning. How many people tell me thank you and wow, it's about time. That's there's someone other running than a Republican or a Democrat. Yeah, and it is funny too. Like you'll hear Republicans, like even when they like the candidate that's running, or they say they like the candidate that's running, they still want to see a third candidate on the ballot. So it is kind of interesting how that works. Well, I remind people on a regular basis. Um, the most recent Gallup poll, which was put out in July of this year, 
says that Congress is at a 17% approval rating. And uh, in this day and time, people won't eat at restaurants, buy a car, stay at a hotel that has a 17% approval rating. So why in the heck are we still voting for these two parties? There, yeah, there was a uh, there was a that meme that was going around for a while that said that Nickelback was the most hated band of all time, but yet they still had a higher approval rating than Congress. I think Nickelback was at a twenty five percent approval rating. <laughs> <laughs> I think Nickelback Congress. Yeah, I think uh, I think Black Licorice has a twenty percent approval rating. So that should tell you something. It does. Absolutely. So um, it's very interesting because uh, you'll like, I think one of my favorites, there was a, a young lady that was a waitress around here. And I, I asked her, I said, uh, I told her what I was doing, that I was running for state rep. And she says, well, she says, you know, I'm, I'm a really staunch Republican. And I said, well, ma'am, I said, do you feel like the Republican party really represents you? And she spun around and looked at me She's like, hell no. Actually, she didn't say hell no. It was a little bit more explicit than that. And I said, then why are you voting for them? Why do you say you're a Republican? She's like, well, what else would I be? And I'm like, that's exactly why we need to talk. Yeah, it is. Stu- I mean, it is, it is It is. stupid. I tell people all the time, it is stupid that we're like, we're like cattle that's voting for our favorite slaughterhouse. I mean... It's not been working for us for a long time. It's not going to continue to work for us. So we need to change the rules. We need to change how things are done. And you, that looks basically like you have to start voting a different way. But when you start talking to people, they agree. It's just, I think the big thing for a yes. lot of people is they're scared of that massive change. They're scared of something completely new. Well, I think that right now is the right time. Like right now, there's this overwhelming positive. Everybody's ready. And there's those that are still kind of hanging on, but we just have to show them that that we're viable. And um, I, I think that here I'm, I'm doing that. I hope so. Yeah, I mean, it's, there's a lot of great campaigns that are out there. And, Obviously, not every single one of them is going to win, unfortunately. But what it takes is all of these campaigns that are showing a good effort, that are getting out there, knocking doors, you know, putting out signs, getting the message out, getting the idea of something else. There's something other than the continuous horseshit we've been fed for all these years. And people will eventually get the point. They will eventually say, hey, look, you know, maybe maybe we'll give these guys a try. Like, yeah, I voted Republican for the last 60-something years. But, you know, why not give them one shot, you know? Yes, absolutely. So uh, a few weeks ago, I had a speaking event. It was a a Meet the Candidates uh, event that was local. And they gave us, they had like four topics, and they were kind of basic economic, and they were kind of Democrat questions having to do with uh, affordable housing and things like that. Uh, the Republican, of course, didn't show up. Republicans don't go to things like this. They have nothing to lose. It's not in their best interest to show up and, and debate or talk to people. Uh, the Democrat showed up, and, and she's a nice lady and gave you know Democrat answers, but you know she told me the week before that she was just deathly afraid 
She says, I don't know how I could talk for 10 minutes. And I started giggling. I had pages worth of, of notes. And I told everybody while I was there, you know, the interesting thing about being a third party candidate is that because we want change, we have answers. And so we have to work harder. Or maybe we at least feel like we have to work harder because we have to actually give an actual response and show people that we have answers and actual solutions that will help them instead of those usual pat Republican and Democrat answers, which is blame somebody else. And people like yeah, that. And, yeah, I mean, giving real-world solutions that people can relate to. Obviously, you know, some things do require walking people down to where the solution is. Um, but, you know, like you had said, it's easy for them to just throw the blame onto someone else. Like, we hear all the time that libertarians are backed by big corporate money. You know, like Brad said here, you know, he says, which party uh, do I have to campaign under to become a corrupt millionaire politician? And the answer is simple. It's both Republicans and Democrats. I sure. mean, when, when was the last time you've seen a very poor congressman or poor congresswoman um, for either of the major parties? I can't remember the last time I've seen a single libertarian candidate um, running at the local level that had any amount of money. Obviously, uh, Jorgensen and Spike Cohen are kind of the oddballs out. Um, they're actually the the two that I would say break the libertarian mold as far as like monetary, mm -hmm. uh, you know, worth. But I mean, all the rest of us, we're all fighting. You know, we're fighting to stay alive. You know, we're we're doing, we're working one job, two jobs. We're campaigning. We're helping with the party. We're helping with this, helping with that. And no, none of us are really getting paid anything. And, but you see Republicans and Democrats making millions and they, they, but they have the audacity to say that it's everybody else's fault, but theirs. It's interesting. You brought up money. Cause I, another thing while campaigning, I share with people that they just don't know. You can go to your state's secretary of state website and you can look up the ethics filings to see where donations come in and where they go and how much money is spent. And this is the last time I looked, which has probably been a month ago, but the incumbent Republican that I'm running against has raised $48,000 and he has spent over $30,000 uh, with a consulting group doing advertising. The Democrat in the race has spent raised and spent less than $1,500. And I've spent, raised and spent less than that. I'm, I'm under a thousand. Uh, and I tell people this because they don't understand how much money is being thrown around. And then when we look at like the governor's race, Sarah Sanders, uh, that's Mike Huckabee's daughter, Sarah Huckabee Sanders, the, the previous uh, president's liar, She's raised over $13 million, and most of it was from out of state. Uh, last night was the first Arkansas governor's debate, which she did not attend. Uh, and then there's Chris Jones, the, the Democrat. Um, they've thrown over $11 million at him. The Democrats have thrown all their money at the governor's race, 
And the lady that's running here in my district, hardly any money at all. It's very interesting. But I, I talk to people and, and tell them about the money because a lot of people don't know that those things are available to go look up and see yourself. And I think that knowledge is, is power because you never know when somebody might get stuck at home with COVID for a few days and want to look up something. And that's a perfect time for them to really go and look and see. And when I tell them this stuff and I tell them exactly where to go, I'm like, no, go look for yourself. Does it not bother you how much money's being spent that could be going other places? Yeah, and here's here's another crazy thing, and it, it does vary state to state, obviously, depending on what race you're running and all that. But many states allow for for uh, candidates to pay themselves uh, through campaign funds as like as a as someone who works for the campaign if they're out knocking doors and stuff like that. Now yeah. I'm not super versed in all the law and all that, but if you've ever wondered if you're sitting at home watching and wondering how you know some of these people don't work jobs, they're not doing anything, but they're still able to have a really nice life. Look at their, uh, look at where their campaign funds are going. You know, like what, what are some of these, you know, congressional candidates doing? Well, guess what? That $7 million that they had in campaign funds, they maybe spent five of it. Guess where the other two went? They didn't go to their staff. Absolutely. And of course I don't have enough money for staff. Um, you know, I can show where, where, what I've spent for, um, print materials, uh, you know, yard signs, and then just gas in the, in the, in the campaign vehicle. Um, but you know, it, it gets a little more tricky when you look at and you see, you know, 10, 15, $20,000 payments to a, a consulting firm. And you're like, huh, what is that? What? Cause I mean, personally, I don't know what I would do with $30,000 because we sat down and crunched the numbers. So congressional uh, or representative districts here in Arkansas are broke down in, by the census. 30,000 people is the goal. Arkansas is at 29,451. That's number of people. When you get down to actual voters, it turns into more like 14,000. And then you get down to like households there's about 4,000 households. So, you know, when you look at like print media and you say, okay, well, if I wanted to reach all the mailboxes in, in my district, I need to send out about 4,000 flyers. How many, you know, how much does it cost per flyer? How much does it cost to mail? And you start figuring out stuff like that and say, okay, well, if I had a budget of say 10 or $15,000, I could really do something. And then I look at the money that the Republican got spent, that he's already spent 30. And I'm like, where? Well, why? Where did it go? L lots of questions and things that I think that uh, people need to know and we should change. Well, see, here's the dirty secret, too. See, campaign laws about, like, about monetary spending only accounts for when it leaves the campaign. It doesn't account for once it hits somebody else's bank account so that right. wherever it goes from there it the laws don't apply to that so if that if that you know um agency spends 10 grand of that 30 grand and you know some of it accidentally happens to end up back in his bank account that's not a violation of campaign law 
as long as you know it was a quote unquote accident. Because finance, the, the campaign finance, office, like I said, I'm not a fucking legal expert. I'm I'm just going off of the little bit that I've read. But my understanding is once it leaves the campaign and hits somebody else, as long as the intended target was not to go back to the candidate, then everything is legal beyond that. Sure. Well, I got one more to throw at you as far as appalling numbers. The Our state senator race uh, came down to a runoff in the primary. And in that primary, it came down to two Republicans and they wanted so badly to keep the incumbent. The Republican Party spent over $250,000 in a fight between two Republicans in a primary race. Wow. Isn't that crazy? $250,000 to, to fight between two Republicans. And, and what's funny is the one the that, 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 that unseated... Uh, was was running on no corrupt on uh, ending corruption. He had served before and had been uprooted, and he came back and said his goal was to deal with corruption in the state government. And the Republicans spent two hundred and fifty thousand dollars to keep him out, um, and it didn't work. Yeah, I mean, Jesus, like $250,000. They sit there and talk about how they care about the, the you know, the, the average man, the, you know, the, the, the blue collar American, but that $250,000 would go a long way helping, you know, revitalize blue collar America. Like all these people who are, you know, struggling to pay these outrageous fuel prices. And guess what? OPEC just said that they're going to reduce the amount of oil that they're drilling. So guess what? Fuel prices are going to go back up. So those blue collar oh, yeah. families are going to struggle more. So oh, yes. they, they 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 don't give a shit about anybody but themselves and uh, puffing out their own chest. And it shows when they spend two hundred and fifty thousand dollars on a on a fucking primary for a race that they may not even win. Well, that's the, that's the funny thing though is that it was between two Republican two Republicans in a primary. And both Republicans, they were infighting within the party. I mean, imagine, imagine, oh my God, imagine if two libertarians spent $250,000 between the two of them. Like, this party would fucking explode. We would implode in on ourselves over the amount of money that was wasted. Like, that, like, I don't think anybody would support a candidate like that in our party. Well, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe, maybe, maybe I'm misreading how the party is. But like, I can't. I cannot fathom spending two hundred and fifty thousand dollars to beat someone that you claim is on the same team. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying, and that's why I talk to people about it all the time. What is going on? <laughs> Yeah, that's crazy. Well, all right. So, when when is your election? Is it November? Yeah, our election here is November eighth. Okay. So let's say it's. Uh, I'm sure if you won in November, you would take office. What January something? Somewhere in there, yeah. Okay. 
So let's say it's let's say it's the day you take office. What's the first you know? What's the first few things you want to do? What's what is your uh, what is your you know first quarter play? I think the first quarter plan is just to get down there and kind of get a feel for everything and see what's going on. Uh, you know, because I don't know any of the other state representatives. It's going to take a little time to see, figure out who's who and what they're working on. Um, and then and start moving in a, a direction of figuring out, you know, what's. And then, you know, my biggest thing, you know, that I would like to work on, and of course, it's not going to be something I can do day one, uh, but property taxes, that's that's my number one goal is to try to get um, move in a direction of eliminating property taxes. So what are what are property taxes looking like in Arkansas? I, I don't I don't know. Unfortunately, I don't know a whole lot about Arkansas, but what 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 do property taxes look like now? Well, the the overall they're not bad compared to other states, but the problem is is that over the last couple of years, there's been a huge influx of people moving into the area, which has sent um, it's inflated the prices on housing, and uh, which is great for someone like me who can say, "Wow, my property value has gone up forty percent from when I bought in." But when your property value goes up forty percent that's what they assess your taxes at. So then your property taxes go up 40%. And that turns into a big problem. Uh, we had, uh, for an example, the place that I'm at, um, I am surrounded by a piece of property that's 110 acres. It was farmland. Uh, six or seven years ago, it was purchased for 4,500 an acre. They ran it, road down it, ran a power pole down it and divided it into 25, 20 to 25 acre lots because it had a river view. Uh, and then they had a community sand uh, river barred area for anyone that, that bought into this place. So it was a fancy subdivision, but everyone had to dig their own wells and, and dig their own power from the pole. They sold that property for um, 20 to $25,000 an acre. So they made... Fifteen to twenty thousand dollars profit per acre, minus you know whatever they did for cutting a road in, and hauling gravel in and setting some power poles, which they didn't have to pay for that because it was service to a new property. But um, you know the the developer and the real estate agent made out like bandits because people from out of town wanted to have riverfront property here in Arkansas and wanted to get away from wherever it was they were coming from. Uh, it's great for them and it's great that my property value went up if I wanted to sell, but I don't want to sell, but now I have to pay more in property taxes because the alleged inflation of price because of the supply and demand. So, you know, my property taxes going up 40%, uh, that's a problem. That takes uh, uh, roughly $2,000 a year and turns it into $4,000 a year. And if you've got it in escrow, that means your house payment goes up. Uh, but that, you know, that, that applies for everything around here. That means cars, trailers, you know, anything else that you've got listed with the state that they can get money out of you for owning. 
they say it's gone up in value, uh, which means that we all have to pay more. Well, here's the other uh, dirty secret that people aren't really talking a lot about either as far as like property taxes going up or especially when property value goes up. um, These farmers who have been, you know, on this land for generations and generations are now being starved out of their own land because they Mm -hmm. can they can no longer afford these property taxes. And guess what? Now they have to sell that land because they can no longer afford it. Now the same thing happens again to their land. It gets broken up by some slimy developer and the same thing keeps happening and happening and happening until eventually we run out of people to farm. There's no more food being produced. And guess what? Yes. When you import all your food, you starve. So what we kind of got going on here is, uh, so this 110 acres had cows on it uh, six or eight months ago. And um, some of the new neighbors asked me, they said, well, what do you think about having new neighbors? And I said, well, I kind of prefer having cows. But the problem is, is that um, between weather and the cost of feed and the cost of fuel, uh, market prices on cows, because people have been selling cows off. uh, You you talk about these old family farms. I know of several people that the only reason they were running cattle still wasn't because they were really making a lot of money on beef. It was because running cattle on the property is what made it where they could pay their property taxes every year. So when the prices of beef goes down while the prices of fuel and the prices of feed go up and your cows aren't making any more money and then your property taxes go up on top of that, you've got a bit of a problem. Um, So it's not just the property value, it's inflation across the board. Uh, and, and other values and things that, that are dropping. Uh, we went through a really dry summer where we had people that were going and selling off cows because w- there wasn't any hay. There wasn't any water. Uh, and, and, you know, you go and sell your cows for what you can get for it so it doesn't die uh, and you lose your entire investment. So, you know, it, it's a much bigger picture and, Overall, farms do have a lower property tax rate than than residential places, uh, but it still affects them. It, it's still a problem. Yeah, and I mean, like you were saying, like you know, they'll they'll go through a summer where they have to sell off a bunch of cattle, but then guess what? That means that next summer they have fewer cattle, and if if everyone's mm-hmm. selling off, guess yep. what? the price of beef next year goes way the fuck up because there's fewer cattle being sold because there's fewer cows that can be sold. Well, and the shelf life on a cow, you know, when you send it to the stockyard and the slaughterhouse, there's a really small shelf life between, you know, how long can the stockyard keep a cow and also feed it before they have to take it to be processed and then, can it be stored or, or go to a store and get sold? I mean, there, there's a whole lot of infrastructure there that, that has to be thought about, um, especially if you're not doing a farm to table. If you're not butchering your own beef and, and putting it in your own freezer, you know, there's a lot of other people involved in that process um, trying to also make money and, and deal with the product that is, at the end of the day, it is perishable. It, it only has a certain shelf life. 
Yeah, I mean, like Brad once again has said, you know, all, and as you said, and I'll say, all land should have a 0% property tax. Why are you paying a tax or basically, you know, what I've called a rent to your government to own property? I mean, if you own something, why do you continuously pay to own that property? Like, why is it that they're able, like, to sit there and give you a fixed amount? It's not even a fixed amount. It's it's a fluctuating amount that they can change arbitrarily. And just, it, it's fucking, I, I, why Americans haven't woken up and just been just outright disgusted by property tax of itself it is beyond me. I mean, the fact that we've had property tax for however many decades at this point um, is just, it's insane. I completely agree. I, I completely agree. Um, and that's the one that, and, and I, you know, still you see people that look a little confused. I'm like, if you buy something, then it should be yours, especially when you paid sales tax on it. But to continue to pay taxes on something that's supposed to be yours, do you really own it? And if you're paying property taxes, then the answer is no. No, you don't. You don't own it. And, uh, you know, that kind of completely wipes clear the idea of the American dream. If you can't own anything here and it actually be yours, then that completely makes the American dream, as George Carlin said, the American dream is, uh, uh, what did he say? The American dream is only real because you have to be uh, asleep to believe it. That's kind of where we're at. Um, yeah. I mean, imagine imagine if Americans had to pay a property tax on their cell phones and computers. Do you think there would be real outrage? I mean, because like places like I, I've lived in the state of Virginia where property tax extends to your vehicle. You have to pay a property tax on your house. You have to pay a property tax on your cars. So imagine if Americans across the board had to pay federal property tax on cell phones and computers, or even not even federal, just at the state level, they had to pay a property tax on their cell phones. I guarantee you there would be outrage on that. Now, would they do anything? I don't know. But there would be a lot of backlash at it. And if we abolish property tax, and if you get your way, Dakota, as you should on property tax, guess what? The, the cost of housing goes down. The cost of rent goes down. Democrats are all the time bitching and harping about the cost of, of rent and how, you know, rent is that and all that horse shit. But guess what? If you abolish property tax and the cost of owning the, the property that you're renting to someone else goes down, you can charge less for that rent and everyone does better off. Sure. So and I get asked, you know, well, well, Dakota, if we get rid of property taxes, what are we going to replace it with? And I said, well, it's, it's a transitional tax, like a sales tax. Like as long as this farm that I have is mine, I don't pay taxes on it. But if I sell it, then you can charge a sales tax for it. And it will be voluntary and picked between the buyer and the seller as to how much each side is willing to pay for it. Uh, and what I mean by that is just like closing costs on a loan when you buy a house, the seller or the buyer would negotiate who was paying the closing costs because that's an, uh, an extra out-of-pocket out of cost. So it could be the same thing. And so these family farms, family properties, 
would be safe and free and clear as long as they stayed in the family. But once someone went to sell it, then we could negotiate a transitional tax. Um, and that way the state is still making money. And those people that are coming in here that were, in my opinion, dumb enough to spend $25,000 an acre for property that had cows on it and no utilities, let them pay for it. Um, we have to have something, you know, we have to have incremental change and, and that would work. And in explaining that to most people that are like, well, we can't live without property taxes. I'm like, well, yes, we can. We do have to replace it. And you pay sales tax on a car. So you could get, which is another, another fun thing. So in Arkansas, they finally moved the sales tax on a car. Um, they, they put a limit on it, which I think that used, used sales tax on a, uh, on a used car is ridiculous. Whoever bought the car new paid sales tax. Whoever the second owner is shouldn't pay sales tax on the same car. Um, but what they did is they moved the amount. Um, now in Arkansas, if you buy a car, then it's under $4,000. You don't pay sales tax. There are a lot of cars in the state of Arkansas that are sold for $39.95, baby. Uh, <laughs> regardless of what they there's a remarkable amount of cars that are sold for $39.95. Uh, yeah, and it, I, uh... and so that's what it is. And I was listening to something here recently. They said the state of Arkansas said that they were going to come and crack down because the number of people that have bought a used car and didn't pay their sales tax and are running around on a paper tag. The state of Arkansas estimates that they're missing out on $25 million of revenue of people floating around on illegal paper tags because they never had the money to pay their sales tax. Which brings up another interesting question. Why? Why wasn't figured in? If you're going to have to do it, why was it not figured in with financing and why is it an issue at all? Why does someone like completely blow their wad coming up with a down payment for a car to get finance to get into it, but then have to come up a month later with whatever that 6% is um, to pay? Why wasn't that figured in with a loan? It, it's always boggled me. Like with some changes in the system, that problem could eliminate itself, but lenders will not lend for the amount to cover the sales tax. And that makes no sense to me. Like the state, once again, the government created a problem and now they're complaining about trying to find a solution and they're going to use force to try to find a solution. And and that doesn't work. Well, well the reason why lenders don't uh, cover the cost of taxes because there's actually federal laws that prevent financing taxes. There, there's so federal law requires that taxes be paid up front by the consumer. Um, and that's with any financing. If it's considered anything other than outright payment, it has to cover, you have to pay the taxes up front. So I work for a company uh, that does automotive repairs and they have a program that allows people to finance something. And it's not, it doesn't run through credit or anything, but uh, it, so it allows them to finance uh, certain kinds of repairs. Uh, without running the credit check, but they still have to pay the tax up front because federal law requires that they pay the tax up front. The tax cannot be financed. So with that being said, 
Uh, one thing that you mentioned that I thought was fucking hilarious is that Tennessee actually a couple of years ago passed a law that uh, if the the amount on a title for a vehicle that was being sold was less than what the blue book value on it is, the state will use the blue book value. Turns out that was complete horseshit because the law passed. But I bought a truck that I so I bought the truck for twelve thousand five hundred dollars. The guy made the title out for $500. I went to the uh, county clerk's office to get the thing put in my name, title and everything. Guess what I paid taxes on? The $500 fucking dollars. States are, states are like, they, they understand that people are like putting a dollar or a hundred bucks, 200 bucks, 35, whatever. Because the average American doesn't give a shit whether the state gets the fucking taxes or not. They want to sell absolutely the right. and get it out. And so these states are panicking because they know that they're in the wrong. They know that they can't get away with this forever. So people are out working the system and states are trying to find a workaround and people are just fucking smarter. Right. Yeah. People always find a way, which, you know, kind of goes back to that prohibition doesn't work and, and people will find a way around it. So uh, maybe it's time to improve the system. Well, I've got one more question for you, and I'm sure it'll take a, take us a good while to cover because it's important. But there is a certain individual uh, that we need to discuss, and his name is Petey. Oh, uh, you wanna, you wanna, let me talk about Petey. Okay, well, let me see if I can wake him up because he, uh, when you saw him in in the backstage, uh, he wanted to go back to sleep, so. I'm, I'm reaching in here and waking him up. Come on, buddy. Yeah, come on. So, uh, Michael White, who was a guest of uh, mine uh, a couple weeks ago uh, before Ian tried to murder me, um, apparently him and Petey are really good friends now. Yes, yes. Michael and Petey are, are absolute homies. So, yes, this oh, is Petey. Petey. He is a rescue possum. Um, uh, of all the things people are afraid about, um, possums are marsupials. They're amazing. They're uh, particularly clean. Um, he's super cool. He's so much fun. Uh, he's very sweet. He does sleep a lot, but uh, he's a baby. He's growing, and he is primarily nocturnal. Uh, and I'm trying to keep up with him here. Come here, buddy. But uh, yeah, yeah. Like I say, he's uh, he's wanting nap time, so I'm going to put him back. But there we go. Yeah, it's probably what like three or four a.m. for Petey right now. It's it's not quite time for him to be up. But uh, yeah, he's a little uh, guy. He does he does require a lot of sleep. Yeah, that's awesome, man. So. So, do you mind telling people the story about how you uh, how uh, you and Petey found each other? Sure. Uh, so, my uh, local uh, firearms distributor uh, ran across the litter on his property that the mother had abandoned. Uh, it was a litter of four, and Petey was the runt of the group and wasn't growing as fast. And he said, "Hey." Uh, I've, I've got these baby possums 
would you be interested in helping foster them because uh, PD here needs a little extra love and attention? And I said, of course I want a baby possum. So uh, we've brought him home and we've just been out campaigning and hanging out and having a big old time. So I guess I guess one question a lot of people will have is, you know, it's uh, Petey's obviously not a dog, it's not a cat. Um, what is the the maintenance for Petey still kind of the same? You know, minus the fact that Petey's up more at night than than in the day. But like, you know, um, did you have to bottle feed him? I mean, how how does how does that kind of work? Okay, so uh, you know. Petey's interest in food kind of swaps around like his most favorite thing to eat is fish and worms. Uh, he also likes crickets. Uh, he likes hamburgers. So I made him up some hamburgers today. Uh, he likes bananas. He likes blueberries. Um, uh, he just hasn't taken to cat food like most possums, but uh, he uh, is litter box trained for the most part. Like I've got a litter box in... I've got an old ferret's cage that he's in that's got multiple levels and he crawls all over the thing and, uh, you know, he picks one area to go to the bathroom and uses that. So, um, you know, every time he eats, he, he takes a bath. Um, I give him baths every so often because sometimes that big old tail kind of gets drugged through the big old dumps that he takes. But, you know, possum dad's got to do what possum dad's got to do. So I hear. Oh, I'm sorry. I've got one more question I'm supposed to ask. Uh, so I hear there's a little bit of drama with the incumbent. What's uh, what's what's the skinny on that? <laughs> so it's it's interesting. Uh, so the, 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 the drama with the incumbent is kind of the, the overall deal that we've kind of been seeing with Republican uh, candidates, at, at least around here. Like last night, first governor's debate, Sarah Sanders declined, did not show up. Uh, there was two events in a row that were held here locally, and our incumbent uh, state rep did not show up. I have some theories uh, my theory is that um, after the overturning of Roe versus Wade, they don't want to talk. It's not in the best interest of an incumbent to go out and talk um, because someone has the opportunity to challenge them and make them look foolish. And it is better for them to not show up and just kind of hide behind the R behind their name and all of that money that's backing them than it is to actually show up and be a part. That's my theory. Um, and it's funny because I told you I live in a blue dot in a, uh, in a red state. Our local paper actually called him out for not showing up to an event and published his phone number in the local paper and said, if you want to know where he's at, here's his phone number, call him. Which I thought As was they pretty cool. Yeah, I mean that's that is what it's what it what it is. So, um, so that's a, a big part of that. Um, 
And I think at the beginning of the show, you wanted to ask me about my event that I did. And I do want to talk about that because it's really important. Yes, yes. Uh, please, yeah, please, let's go over that one. Okay. So uh, I am on the board of directors for the Purple Flower, which is our local nonprofit domestic violence uh, resource group. Um, they're an advocacy group. Whenever there's domestic violence reported through the sheriff's department, the advocates go, or if someone calls them, they go and respond. Uh, they help women with getting out of bad situations, writing, uh, orders of protection and, and things like that. So I went in to talk to them cause I knew the, the woman that, uh, actually started it, I'm friends with. So I, I had some background and I knew some people on the board and went in and talked to them. And I asked him, I said, well, I said, Is, have you ever had like an, a, a candidate or a local elected official ever come in and like ask you, what do you need? Like, what can, what could I do to help you? And they said, no, never. And I thought about it for a minute and I said, you know what, I, I, I've got a plan. So uh, what I did was I have been, you know, pulling inspiration from other libertarians. Uh, and, and this one, you know, was mainly, uh, you know, thinking about Spike and the, the You Are the Power deal where, you know, our job, I think, is to lead the way. Our job is to show people what libertarianism looks like in their backyards and incentivize people to do the right thing. So I organized a fundraiser and I called it a candidate meet and greet and fundraiser for the purple flower. I advertised it in the newspapers. I called the local TV station. Uh, I had purple flower because it's a fundraiser for them. They posted it all over the internet and I personally reached out to every candidate running for office that was going to be on the ballot in Carroll County, Arkansas. I had about an 80% turnout rate for candidates. And so as a libertarian, I was able to reach out to the left and the right, and I incentivized them to work together for a local cause, to pay attention to people in need in their community. Last Saturday, we raised $1,900 um, for an event that I threw together in two weeks. I did it at a food truck park. I talked to the owners, and they were cool with it because it was a fundraiser. Um, I invited a uh, Boomers and Blasters, which is a local business that's a uh, firearms provider uh, for the area, and uh, the gentleman's wife does... Uh, female concealed carry in combat cl training classes. I invited them to come because they offer a service to the community. Um, I'm a big believer in prevention, which I think all libertarians would agree on. Um, so I did it. I brought all of these people together and, uh, you know, at first our incumbent, said that he uh, had other plans. And one of our county judges said that, oh, well, I've got other plans. Well, I found out that they were going together out of town to up to Branson, Missouri for the day. 
a few days before the event, the county judge's wife messaged me and said that she worked at a local bank and that they had a gift basket. And then the next day she messaged and said, you know, David and I talked about it and we decided that this, this event is more important. We've changed our plans. We're coming. So that got our incumbent state rep to come. So I feel like I did a very, very big thing uh, in the fact that I was able to reach out to both sides and I was able to pull them all together to work for a local cause and raise money. And I feel like we as libertarians, if, we're, if we want to win, if we want to make a difference, we need to be doing th stuff like this. Running as candidates, running as candidates, us leading the way by doing things in the community and inviting the left and the right to come help, incentivizing them to do the right thing, shows leadership and it shows care. And I think that right now where people don't feel like they are cared for and represented us showing by action, by doing things like what I just did is how we show people that we are relevant and that we care and that we're electable. So, you know, my main goal of wanting to talk to you guys tonight and get this message out there is for anyone else running a campaign to think about this strategy because I think it's really worthwhile. And if we're going to take the lead and if we're going to show people how to do this, this is how we do it. And we have to do it on a local level and we have to show them by action and show them that we have the ability to unite the left and the right together. Uh, as I told someone here a few weeks ago, um, we watched the president give a speech under a, a dark canopy behind him and he called uh, half the voters, 74 million voters in the United States, he called them uh, a terrorist for voting for his opposition that's not bringing the country together so I think this is where we show our strength by using volunteerism and putting together <laughs> and incentivizing them to take part in their communities and actually show that they care Well, Dakota, oh my God, I was coughing all over the mic. Sorry. Um, I, dude, I'm having all kinds of technical issues over here. But, dude, you're a fucking awesome candidate. You're a great human being. Um, you seem, I mean, it's, I, I can't even say thing. You're definitely a guy who cares deeply about his community and deserve to be someone who uh, leads legislation to better their community. Um, and it's not just your community, it's the whole state. Um, so, man, I really wish you the best of luck in November. Uh, and to help with that luck, where can people go to donate? You know, where can they help, uh, you know, give you a few extra shekels to get you there? So the best place to find me, I do have a website. It's garbage. I don't recommend you go to it. Uh, you can go on Facebook to Logan for Liberty. And you'll find Dakota Logan for state rep. That's my page. You can uh, look me up there and message me. Um, I can take money cash app or PayPal uh, and transfer it over. Or if someone wants to write me an old school check, I can give them an address to do that. 
but the best place to find me is social media. I am there the most. Uh, and I also try to do a lot of uh, live videos about what I'm doing. Uh, and I post those things in the local What's Happening pages because we live in kind of a rural area. Uh, and I think that's important too. So, but uh, right now, Facebook is my main thing. That's the best place to find me. Uh, Logan, the number four, Liberty. Uh, if you just type that in in the search browser at uh, Facebook, it'll pull me up as the first thing. Uh, Dakota Logan for State Representative, District 6. Uh, but you can also, you can email me at uh, Logan, the number four, Liberty at gmail.com. Uh, I, I do keep that one sends me notifications. I can get fairly often. Um, and if for some reason you can't find me there, just Dakota Logan at Facebook, you get to see this handsome mug in overalls in front of a very nice old, uh, Dodge truck. Um, that's my, my main, uh, Facebook page, but I have had people find me on the state rep page, uh, through, uh, the local newspaper found me there. So that's the best places to find me. And I and at this point, yes, uh, if any, anybody that wants to donate, I'm totally open for it. Um, thank you very much in advance. Um, I'd love to be able to get some print media out and try to talk to some more people. Uh, the more people that see my face and, and get to hear from me, the better my chances are of winning. So thank you very much. Awesome, man. Dude, I appreciate the hell out of you coming on. And I do apologize for the... Uh the delay in getting you on and kind of uh, the conditions in which we've done this tonight, but you've been awesome. And I appreciate the hell out of you, man. Well, uh, thank you very much for having me. I'm, I'm glad that uh, we're at least able to do this. Um, I've been worried about you guys. I was looking around the property for maybe an extra canoe or something to send down there to you. Uh, try to pull you up to some dry land. <laughs> Uh, you know, it's Tennessee Hillbillies, man. We can't keep us down. We, uh, we'll we survive one way or the other. We survive probation. Okay. We'll survive this. Absolutely. <laughs> but, Dakota, man, I appreciate you, man. And you, uh, you have a fantastic fucking night. All right, man. Thank you very much. You have a good night, too. Night. Well, <clears throat> now it's just us. Yeah, it is. It's the three of us. It's the, the person watching. I'm sure it's more than one person, but it's this person right here. That person up there in my finger. And then me. And then you. Oh! I'm just the three of us. But there's two. See, it's two up there. Don't, don't give away secrets. Uh, anyways, um, that was amazing. Dakota's an awesome fucking guest. He's an awesome Janet huge shout out to Susan Q who is doing all of my scheduling now. I do none of it. She does all the work and I just come on here and talk um, which is fantastic because that's a huge change up from what it's been for like the last year. It's been just me doing it all um, and I really appreciate everyone who helps behind the scenes. Um, they're all amazing. <clears throat> uh, Carly Meme horror, Susie. Uh, not this kid. We just found him. Hey. But <laughs> he does. He does help. Uh, he helps a lot. But um, so 
per the usual, I want to leave everyone with a, a piece of advice, uh, something, you know, to take away from this. And I've seen, I've not been able to speak a lot because the internet's been kind of shitty um, everywhere. Uh, cell signal sucks. There's no internet at the house. There's no internet at work, whatever, blah, blah, blah. Um, the infighting is still fucking stupid. Like, yes, there has been some dumb shit that's happened. Yes, the national Twitter account got hacked. Was it funny? Absolutely. Was it a good thing? No, it was not a good thing. Was it Was it evidence that you were right about something? No. Does it also show that Mises should ban people for fucking uh, making fun of it? Also, no. You're all fucking idiots. Guess what? Fighting over national is like fighting over who your who your overlord is. It's still fucking stupid. You all are little babies. Goo goo gaga. Suck your fucking thumb and go fucking cry. But guess what? There is something you can do that won't make you look like a little baby. You can work in your community. You can do what Dakota does. Do things for your community. You can do things that help actual fucking people. Because guess what? Infighting doesn't do a damn thing for anybody. It never has and never will. Good night. I love you. Good liberty. Guess fucking what? You're not a libertarian. Oh, God. I, the, 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 the controls on my phone are Click horrible. Click the head button. No, I got to do the video thing, kid. Click the head button.